Section 18 of Birds and All Nature, Volume 5, Number 1, January 1899. Recorded for LibriVox.org by David Lawrence. The Sandhill Crane. The Sandhill Crane is so often confused in the popular mind with the great blue heron that it should not be amiss to suggest the real differences between them. We should first remember that the crane is not found east of Illinois except casually or accidentally, but is numerous from Illinois westward to the western border of the plains during the migrations. It ranges as far north as Manitoba. The great blue heron is pretty evenly distributed over the whole of North America. The cranes usually, if not always, migrate in greater or lesser flocks, alternately circling upwards to considerable heights and sailing straight away, with both soaring and flapping motion, and with prodigious croakings. The herons migrate singly or in pairs, with long, steady sweep of the wings, and make no outcry. Close at hand, the two species would hardly be confused by an ordinary careful observer, but these large birds are rarely seen close at hand. The feeding habits of the two birds are very similar, and to this superficial similarity is largely due the confusion, I suspect. Both wade into the water searching for some hapless frog or toad, often standing motionless for minutes at a time until the victim comes within range of the sharply pointed beak when a lightning-like movement of the head sends the beak completely through the creature, killing and capturing it with one stroke. The long legs and neck are admirably adapted to this kind of fishing. Colonel N. S. Goss describes the courting antics of these ungainly birds as extremely ludicrous at times. A venerable Indian war dance, in fact, in which the females join heartily, and, like the war dance, stopping only when the last participants fall down with exhaustion. It seems to be a sort of promiscuous wedding ceremony for the whole company. The crane nests on the dry, flat prairie, usually scraping together some wisps of dry grass, but often with not even this poor excuse for a nest. Here, two or four drab-colored, rough-shelled eggs are laid and the young reared. Size seems to be the only criterion which determines what the crane may eat. Perhaps it may be better said what he will swallow. He seems to relish stones, pocket knives, steel nails, and the like, fully as well as the choicest bit of frog or toad. Like many other birds, however, he regurgitates the ingestible matter, and so takes no harm from this promiscuous diet. Many of us may have reason to envy him this capacity. Dr. P. L. Hatch, in his Birds of Minnesota, gives an interesting description of the fighting qualities of a pet crane, which he offered to pit against any and all canines, one at a time. One valiant mastiff, which essayed to do battle with his crane ship, entered the ring with all the confidence of an unbroken record of victories. But a moment later he stayed not on the order of his going, carrying with him the exact pattern of the crane's beak. No other canines ever volunteered for a similar service. End of section 18. This recording is in the public domain. End of Birds and All Nature, Volume 5, Number 1, January 1899.